Welcome to the Bed Night Lunch Podcast, a podcast where we delve into the unseen history and folklore of Carboneer. For each episode, we invite you to sit down and enjoy a nice bed night lunch while we take a journey back through history. Now, here are your hosts, Preston Griffin, Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Head, Sarah Clark, and myself, Noah Green. Alright, so this marks the first episode of the Bed Night Lunch Podcast. And this is our project where we're just going to be exploring a bit of the history and talking to some interesting people around Carboneer. So I guess it's important to uh, know our, our host, essentially. So I'll start off with my co-host here, Caitlin Clark. Hi, I'm Caitlin Clark. I was a communication studies major and an anthropology minor in university. Some of my interests include reading and writing. I also really enjoy watching hockey as well as binge watching different things on Netflix. Okay, and to the right we have Sarah Clark. Hello everyone, my name is Sarah Clark. I'm going to my third year of university to finish my English degree. And some of my hobbies include painting and writing and also watching shows on Netflix. Okay, and now we have Caitlin Head. Hi, my name is Caitlin, and I'm going into my second year of university at the Marine Institute. I'm studying medical science, and some of my hobbies include volleyball, basketball, watching Netflix, and I also love walking and jogging. Okay, and now we have Preston Griffin. Hi, my name is Preston Griffin. I am a second year PCV student at the College of North Atlantic in St. John's. Uh, I am a first degree karate black belt, and some of my interests include basketball, ball hockey, and just pretty well any sport in general. Alright, and uh, I'm Noah Green. I'm attending the Marine Institute in the fall. I'm studying naval architecture, and uh, I'm really interested in music and politics and the arts and essentially anything like that. So I guess just to start this off, we can talk a little bit about our process and what goes into recording this podcast, because it's a... Although it's probably a little deceptively simple, it, it takes a lot to make one of these. So it, it starts with the research, and then uh, it goes a lot into sourcing out uh, interviews and trying to talk to people in the community. Because there's, there's so many stories here that just go unappreciated and undocumented, but when you take the time to really talk to these people, you get to hear so many different sides of the history. Yeah, I think for me personally, one of the highlights of the summer was getting to meet these people and hear their stories and learn about so much that I didn't know happened here in our town. Right, and it's it's really interesting too to get that face-to-face, like first-hand experience of it. Instead of reading it from a textbook, you get to actually have someone recall the story. It's a lot more personal. Yeah, you also get to like experience what they went through and everything. And going back to what you said, like the, the process of recording these, like first you have to pick a topic, just say labor fishing, for example. Right. So, okay, we're on top of library fishery. Then we got a researcher. Then we got to find someone who uh, might know a bit about it, get some excerpts, do an interview. Then it comes a part of recording the podcast where you have to combine every little thing into this small window of time and make it interesting for you people at home. Right. So I think it's also really important to talk about some of the difficulties we face while recording these, these episodes. And uh, I think the first one we wanted to touch on was uh, the lack of documentation of a lot of these stories in Carbonia. Yeah, for me personally, that was my biggest struggle, is when doing research, there just wasn't a lot available on Carbonia. Like, you can Google, you can check them on database, there just isn't enough on the town, which I think is hopefully something we can maybe work on in the future. And, yeah. No, it definitely makes me feel like there, there should be a lot more print, so which makes me makes this process feel a lot more rewarding, actually doing a bit of that documentation that seems a bit lackluster. Well, exactly. Yeah. Like, this podcast is helping to add to it, and 
with the interviews we're doing with people who might not have these stories documented, who know stuff that is very uh, publicly known. Like we're kind yeah. of helping the broadcast. I think we're like doing our little part to help build up that database of information on Urban Air. Exactly. Also, there's a lot of trouble trying to get people to come in because of the summer and they're really busy and things like that. And not to mention, these people have jobs to do and it's really hard getting in contact with them when they're busy all the time. Yeah, I think it was also like just finding people that had these stories because like we're all university aged, I think. So just um, doing our research and asking around for people uh, to contact and then getting a hold of them and stuff. I think that was a little bit of a challenge in itself. I think another thing too is that the information that is available, a lot of it is not digestible at all. Like, a big part about what we tried for in this podcast was to take these stories that really are honestly very interesting and captivating, and to relay them in a format that stays true to that, and that isn't just gray and boring and played out. A lot of it was taking these articles that we found that were maybe, um, they were very, like, full of jargon and just difficult to read. A lot of them, like, were from the that these events were happening mm. so we kind of just had to break those down into a digestible format because that was something we really wanted to do with this podcast was to make the history accessible to anyone that might be interested in it right the, the funny thing too is we sat down at this table and we have on the, the opposite side of the spectrum the most like history buff as you can get with Preston and maybe a few here who weren't so so much into it and I'm not going to name names we're not going to point fingers oh, okay. <laughs> but um, no, we definitely try to make this happy medium where that people that do really love the uh, the specifics and the names and the dates and the actual history can get into it just as much as someone who just wants to hear an interesting story. Yeah, I think um, if it was able to appeal to any of us here at the table, it would be able to appeal to anyone out that might want to listen to it. Right. Yeah, we want to find that middle ground in between, like Asik said, like the really is what we're about, like dates. And- and then people who just want to hear a good story. Hmm. And on that note, I feel like it's, it's interesting to talk about too. Um, how many of us have been involved with the museums and how long and that kind of thing? Because I know, Caitlin, how many years did you work with the museum? Um, this is my sixth summer working with the museums. Technically not in the museum this summer, but I've right. been kicking around a while now, I think. And how about you, Sarah? This would have been my fourth year at the museum this year. Right, and, and Caitlin? This is my third year. And Preston. This is my first that's right. Right, right. So, so Preston had never actually uh, worked in any of the museums, and um, this is really his first shot at it. Yeah, I think we all came in with different levels of knowledge, and um, Preston really took with it. <laughs> and yeah, as you mentioned, like, yeah, we all had different like levels of knowledge when it came to stuff, but where you guys all worked in museums before, like, I found that certain podcasts, like, with Overworks and stuff like that, you had a lot more knowledge than I did. So it was very interesting that to hear you guys speak and kind of actually learn. Like it was almost as if I was one of the listeners, where I didn't have as many information as you did. I was learning as we talked. It kind of made me understand how this podcast is really going to work and how it's going to inform people. Yeah, I think most of us that had worked in the museums kind of already came in with like a specific area of Carbonier history that we were very interested in, and so that podcast was probably very easy for us. Um, I think you probably were probably the most interested in the World Wars podcast. Well, like as Noah mentioned earlier, the history buffs, the uh, history I do, like like the research a lot, is more history. Mm-hmm. 
so obviously the two holes are a big part of that. But uh, I also like enjoy the sports podcast where I'm actively actively player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you made that podcast possible for <laughs> us. <laughs> exactly, and that just goes to share like all of our different knowledge on different topics and stuff, and how mm-hmm. we can help each other get through these podcasts and make it enjoyable for everyone. It was really uh, really interesting to see too where people's interest peaked on different topics. Like like you said, when we got to the World War One, you kind of just went nuts with that one. That was like, that's your forte, that's your your area. But like, it was surprising to see that uh, Kaylin was really interested in things like the Labrador, Labrador fishery and s- certain things like that. And uh, Sarah actually had family members that were on the... Um, the beaches. Right, right. I find it really interesting about the Labrador fishery because I actually fish myself and uh, the history, like how the cod and stuff used to be back in the day is actually pretty it's interesting. Yeah, and I had a few family members involved with the history and crime here. Some of it, like you said, in the Beatrice. I had a great, great, great uncle who worked on the Beatrice. And I found it really interesting, like, you know, their stories, like, you know, who they worked for and all that stuff. Hmm. Uh, and actually, I, I found out something new I didn't know before this podcast when we were researching about a bit about the schooners and uh, we found out a bit about the Canale fam- family. And I didn't know until looking into it, but my family had actually purchased the Canale house up on Patrick Street and actually turned it into the bed and breakfast. Uh, I think it is super interesting that we were able to find those connections because, again, you go back and you look at history a lot and it's hard to really um, relate to it. You can't really put yourself in those shoes or empathize with it, but when it's something as local as Carabineer, you go back and you're always going to find something. Yeah, and I think for most of us, we would have never found those personal connections if we hadn't done this podcast. No, definitely not. So I think we also want to move on to the history versus folklore debate. Right, okay. That, that was a, a big topic that, that pretty much remained through the whole recording of this podcast, is um, how much information we could use that was anecdotal or closer to folklore than actual history, and how much of it we, uh, we could actually just state as pure fact. Yeah, I think in the end we ended up um, having a really good balance of mm. that. Like, we didn't exclude folklore, but we didn't also go, like, completely historical. Completely historical. It was a really good balance, and I think the podcast topics that we did are a good balance of that as well. And I, I know there was some, like, debate amongst us between what what constitutes folklore, history, and things like that, but it was it was interesting, again, to reach that, that uh, like, happy medium. And I think that the result of this podcast has really honestly just been... Uh, such a middle ground between everyone's point of views that it's, it encompasses a lot of different perspectives and I, I really enjoy that. I mean, I always thought you fucked your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I quickly this. learned that it was not a thing. So we all, we definitely went into this with different amounts of, of knowledge on podcasting. Yes. And even like just the discussion of history and folklore, we, we really had to learn. <laughs> Yeah, Caitlin to this day I don't think has watched a podcast yet. No, watched. Honestly, didn't know they existed. Right. <laughs> Have you listened to one? I maybe? thought you watched them. <laughs> so it really just goes to show how out of the loop some of us are. Do you at least know now that you listen to them? Yeah. That's good. That was a good step we took this summer, I think. So yeah. if nothing else, we have accomplished that. We have taught Caitlin you do not watch podcasts. 
we taught Caitlin something. So, I mean, <laughs> if we can teach you guys some things, that'd be great. So as much as a lot of our opinions have been molded and shaped a little bit by this summer's uh, experience podcasting, I think that we still have our own opinions, and I think it's really interesting to hear our, our perspective on that whole folklore history debate, and it, it came up so much in topics such as uh, the Shiro uh, Nagira. That podcast was definitely a process trying to record that, because we do have our own opinions on what's actually relevant, and what you can what you can say, and what's just complete conjecture, because personally, I, I love the folklore aspect of it. I like the, the whole, even though it's a story, you can still see the cultural and societal impacts of it in the context, and even if it's metaphorically or whatever, it's, it's still represented in there somehow. But I can, I can understand the, the other side of it where, like you said, Preston, you, you want to see like actual concrete facts. Yeah, and that's more like reminding me of a bit of a history buff is that I have always always did it. I always had folklore separate from history until we got to this podcast where I can see the value in integrating it. Uh, but yeah, like I don't know. I'm a bit stubborn, so that's why that podcast was a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a hard time as I was a bit late to conform to the policy of like, okay, yeah, folklore does that they make this better, but it's historical on its own right. I know that for me personally, I've always been a very uh, staunch defender of the Chile Nagara myth right. and its importance in our town. But I think in doing the research uh, for like of the myth and like learning more about it than just what I knew as a kid. Uh, I think I really learned that there is, like, you need a balance of uh, fact and fiction, which the Sheila myth is, of course, very heavy on the fiction, and I think that's something I really learned. Right. I think it is important to, to acknowledge the balance, too, and acknowledge what is folklore and what's concrete history. Yeah, as long as you're very upfront about it and you're not trying to pass, like, we're not trying to pass Princess Sheila off as fact, because there's somebody who's very much information in terms of that. But like, yeah, like as long as we're forthcoming with that, I think that's fine. Right. You're not tricking yeah. anybody. So uh, again, uh, I think that our own opinions and perspectives really kind of molded together, and we, we came out with this this product that was a bit of everything and uh, really just encompasses everyone's views. And I know earlier we were talking about another thing we wanted to discuss uh, in our little introduction podcast is um our favorite. A uh, piece of history we learned this summer, or uh, the favorite thing we, we did during this podcast. So uh, I guess we can start with Caitlin Clark. Uh, so my favorite podcast that we did was the podcast on Philip Henry Goss. I've spent quite a few summers working at the uh, Railway Museum, which has an exhibit on Carbonaire Island. And so Philip Henry Goss is closely connected to that. And we have a small segment in the museum about him. And I always thought he was a very interesting individual. He's known far outside of just Carbonier. Uh, so it was really interesting to kind of dig deeper and learn more about him. And I think his views for the time period that he was living in uh, were probably the most interesting for me. Like I really appreciated the fact that he was very anti-racist and things like that. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and Sarah, how about you? So my favorite podcast would happen to be the, uh, the Ghost Story Podcast. And it's basically a podcast where we talk about ghost stories and urban legends and all these type of stories. And one of the stories happens to be a relative of mine, so make sure you stay tuned for that one. Right, right. Okay. And how about you, Caitlin? Um, I would have to say that out of all this, the interviews would be my favorite. Uh, getting to know the people and their backgrounds and 
those stories definitely gives us a lot of information. But not only that, they definitely have a lot of interesting, interesting facts. Mm -hmm. Like, they have some great stories. And, I mean, they all happen. Like, they happen before I con, and I find that really interesting. Uh, we recently did an interview with Heber McGurk, and some information that he had was absolutely phenomenal. Right. And also, I want to point out when we're just trying to get a, a glimpse of everyone's personalities that, that Caitlin here is definitely our, our people person, which is why it's, it's definitely interesting that you did like the interviews because I feel like you were the person we got the, the call and you were like the happy face that we'd have with people here. <laughs> well, she has her own segment in the podcast. It's really, it's really true. Fun right. facts yeah, with fun facts with Caitlin. I like and, uh, to keep everyone on their toes. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Preston, what's yours? Um, I'm just a railway athlete. Um, obviously, we have to go train from the railway here in Carpenter. So, uh, just learning more about like how it all works and everything like that, I found it really good. Right, okay. And uh, I think mine was definitely Carpenter Island, because when I worked at the railway, that was really my forte. I, I really like telling stories about that, and there's a lot of history between that, uh, behind that. So, if you, you get the chance, you definitely check out that podcast. You can probably hear me rant a lot more. And honestly, hearing us discuss all these different stories and everything we've learned and exactly how captivating learning all this was, it makes it even more tragic to think about how, how fast the summer went and how many stories we probably left just untouched. We didn't have the time to cover. Yeah, I think there's, like, we barely scratched the surface here. I think one of the things I really took away uh, from this experience is that there is so much more to Carboneer than you originally think. And I'd love to get the opportunity to do a bit more digging and to share more of this information with the public. Exactly. And Carboneer is such a historic place. Like, so much happened here that we didn't know about before we've done these topics, and there's so many more we can go into. Right. I feel like that that's just that stays true to the fact that whenever you're, you're like, born here, you grow up here, you don't really appreciate it as much. But when you really take time to realize it, it there's so much and just so much we don't know. Yeah, I think I personally really got a new appreciation for Carboneer out of doing this. And like even the small parts that are still relevant today, like Deep Ripple Street. Right, right. Like I didn't know why it was called Deep Ripple Street. I said, oh, that's the name of the street. And then when we did the Carboneer Island podcast, I learned more about who Deep Ripple was. I'm like, oh, now I, I could put a, like almost like a person to that street. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Like in the Shipwreck podcast that we do, we talk about the ship Caladora. And there's a street in Carboneer called Caladora, and I never really knew that until I worked at the museum, and we really got to dig into that shipwreck during that podcast. I think that, honestly, like those experiences, they really speak to the whole motif of our podcast. It's just, we want to make something that actually applies to people's lives and living here, and not something that's just, you know, made for pundits. This is made for people who live here and just want to enjoy the history in, in an easy, digestible form. Yeah, we wanted to make this not only just like for tourists and people who aren't familiar with the area, mm. but for people who have lived in Carboneer their whole lives and maybe don't know these things. We really wanted to be, it to be accessible and relevant all at the same time. And I really want to take this opportunity to thank uh, our supervisor, Carrie Abbott, who honestly was the backbone of this entire project for the summer. And without her, we wouldn't have been able to do it. And also a huge thanks to the town of Carboneer for supplying us with the grant to be able to record this podcast. And um, to everybody that contributed in any way, and every person that gave us an interview or told us a story, gave us a name or any information, we're grateful eternally.
So uh, I think as we're approaching the end of the podcast, I will hand it off to my co-host, Kate and Clark, to give us our uh, closing remarks. Uh, we'd like to thank our listeners for joining us this week on the Bed Night Lunch podcast. We really hope you choose to stick around and listen to us some more. If you're interested in any of our future podcasts, be sure to keep an eye on the Town of Carabineer Facebook page, as well as all of our other social media. I've been Caitlin Clark. I've been Preston Griffin. I've been Noah Green. I've been Sarah Clark. And I've been Caitlin Head. And this is the, the Bed Night Lunch, Lunch podcast. podcast. Make sure to tune in for the next one, guys.